Welcome to the Dr. Vincent Buscemi podcast. After kind of diving into my analytics, all my audience or most of my audience are dentists and they're looking for a better life. So this is the Dr. Vincent Buscemi podcast, the survival guide for dentists. Why do you need to know Andrew Benacourt? He is a relationship coach for men. He helps men deal with relationship conflict. How many dentists do you know who've gotten a divorce? How many dentists do you know that are in a terrible marriage that's slowly killing them or resent their wives or resent their husbands because they're in such a shitty relationship? You need to know him. Go to his Instagram. He's all about helping men feel empowered and having a more cohesive relationship. Your marriage is one of the single factors of longevity and success in life. A good marriage will increase your health and a poor marriage will decrease your health. Andrew, I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast. Guys, you're going to love this podcast. Do you feel stuck on the financial hamster wheel? You thought you would be further ahead, but sometimes you feel like you're running in place. My name is Dr. Howard Polanski, a former dentist and now founder of Cashflow Coach USA. I help families and business owners improve their cash flow, not by tripling your income, but by being better on how you pay your expenses. You will be guided through a simple, practical system so that you can use your energy from surviving each month to thriving each month. The average client improves their cash flow over $30,000 per year. So if you would like to go from surviving to thriving, let's do a complimentary discovery call and see how soon you could find financial freedom faster. Let's get rolling, man. Um, why do you have such an interest in helping men get more confidence in their relationships? Yeah, no, that, that's a good question. I mean... I started off life coaching, right? And then I started like working with my audience. I started to figure out what they need and then it turned into relationship coaching. And then I realized that I had to either go all in on coaching women or going all in on coaching men because they see the problems differently. And then with men, I started coaching men. And for me, it's just like, it's really important that we're authentic in our relationships because if we're not authentic, it causes resentment. You know, we can get anxious, depressed, all these different things. And I, I feel like a lot of men sometimes we're passive in our relationships. And so that that's kind of where that passion comes from me is I, I really want to make sure that we, that we can, can speak our truth in our relationships. So why do you think men are so passive in the relationships? <laughs> that's honestly, man, a couple of different things come to mind for me. I guess the first one is sometimes in general, of course, in general, when there's a partner who's dominating, whether it's a female partner or a male partner, the other partner will become passive. And then it's just like this, this loop. Um, and then, and then all of a sudden you have a dynamic that's, that's essentially like concrete like that. And then it's always going to be like that. Anytime there's a conflict, it's always going to be that dynamic because that's how the relationship was set up, you know, even by accident. Um, so I think that's one, I think that's one way. And then the second reason I think is just because I feel like, guys are not, we're not always vocal and, and we don't know how, frankly, we don't always know how to, um, to communicate. A lot of the guys I work with, we're very loyal and we bring, you know, um, the finance support, we bring the stability support, but we don't always know how to communicate our needs or, you know, talk in conflict, that kind of thing. So when men come to you, do they express they feel they're the passive one? Or is it something you find out through interviewing? Them? They don't. They don't know. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Like I, sometimes I have a client that would just come to me and they'll say like, "Yo, she wants to leave. Like she she wants to get separated." And then you know, after we do some digging, I, I kind of like nudge. I'm like, "Well, you know, I don't always say you know you're being passive, but I, I do try to encourage. I try to bring out that self worth and their personality more because the the partner actually wants that." Um, and, and so that, that's what we, we spend a lot of time working on that. And then obviously communication and, and all of that, but it does start with having a strong sense of self in a lot of cases. So when I think passive, I think like submissive mm -hmm. or, or quiet, but mm -hmm. what's your definition or examples of being a passive partner? Yeah, no, I, I think, I think that is it. And 
the, the thing that comes to mind for me is when we have a relationship, it should be two people on the even playing field. Like no one should have more control, but in certain relationships, the, the dynamic is, is different. Like the guy feels like he's doing the, the, you know, he's in trouble or he's doing the wrong thing. And I, and I'm like, it shouldn't, it shouldn't feel like that. And so I guess that's what I mean by passive is the mindset that I'm messing up in the relationship. You know, she wants to leave me cause I'm messing up. That's one way. Or another, another way that shows up is, is literally during conflict. So I'm thinking of another client. Um, they were trying to put their daughter to sleep. I think like seven year old daughter, you know, it, it's, it's getting late. He wants the daughter to go to sleep. The wife's getting really overwhelmed and, and she's, she's kind of lashing out at the partner at the husband, but he, he doesn't say how he's feeling. He doesn't, he doesn't step in that, that role at all. He just kind of sits there and, and takes it and bites our tongue. So I guess that's con- kind of what I mean by my passive, these passive roles that show up sometimes. So what are some warning signs? Cause I'm mm-hmm. sure you dealt with this. Mm-hmm. You have people who are married for 20 years, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the problem started yeah. five years <laughs> into marriage. What are some early warning signs that people see that sorry, people don't see, but you see in relationships? Yeah. Well, I want to answer that in two ways, Vince. Number one is, um, is we have internal warning signs and then external signs. So internal would be like what the guy is experiencing. External is like what I'm seeing with internal typically like, when we have thoughts and things we want to say, but we're not saying them, that's a sign. That's a sign that we're, we've kind of a, uh, we've kind of shown up in a passive role in that situation. And oftentimes, another sign is our emotions. So when we feel tight in our chest, or when we, when we start to feel anxious, or some some sort of tension in our body, that's an emotion, right? Maybe it's resentment showing up because you wanted to say something, but you're not, and now you're feeling resentment. So those are some signs that you know, those watching can, can start to notice, they can tune in internally, it's, it's these thoughts that you have, um, and that you want to say, but you're not saying that's one sign. Number two is, you know, in, in um, your emotions. So external signs that I see is, let me think for a second, I think when, when the female partner, whoever it is, is doing a lot of the talking, that's one thing, that's one sign. And then when I start to see like, even at the store events, I was, I was at Kroger the other day. It's so weird. And like the, the guy was just there, you know, they're maybe forties or fifties and I'm just shopping and the female partner is like, Oh, that's not the right one. Da, 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 da. Like kind of like yelling at him a little bit. And so when the guy is quiet, when the, the partner's doing more of the talking and then the role is like, you're doing something wrong, almost like a parent dynamic. Those are some signs in my, in my opinion that I've kind of seen. What are some of the things that men, and I have a bunch in my head, that <laughs> want to say to their spouse, but they hold in because maybe they're afraid to say it? Yeah. No. <laughs> I think a lot of the guys I, I talk to feel like their partners get overwhelmed easily. So maybe something like, you're, you're overreacting, you're getting overwhelmed. Um, my way is right, too. We can try my way. Like, you're not the only right one in this situation. I think those are some phrases that come to mind. Um, yeah. To, yeah. It's just that um, sometimes the, the guys feel like they get overwhelmed easily and that they have something to say too. Like that, that's not the only way to do it. Like, let's try my way. Like, you know, that kind of thing comes to mind. So how do we handle that? So a spouse <laughs> that is like a parent Yeah, and most men are like festering and then yeah. eventually we explode. Yeah. How do yeah. we handle that from the beginning so we don't have conflict in our relationship? Well, honestly, Vince, a lot of this stuff needs to be done on the side. Like you need to do some work on the side. It's kind of like you're fixing a car. You can't fix a car while you're driving. You got to pull over, you know, do some things. And so the things that come to mind for me is we have to kind of increase the self-worth a little bit. We got to turn that knob up because that is what controls people saying how they feel is the self-worth. So we need to bump that up a little bit. There's probably some thoughts and beliefs, Vince, that are we're projecting on our partner. We, we probably need to look at those because it either is tied to your self-worth or it's tied to how you see your partner. Um, and so we, we have to poke holes in some of those beliefs because those beliefs are preventing us from speaking up. That's, that's kind of number one. Then the second thing is um, it, it would be helpful to get clear on like what you want 
to contribute out of the relationship, whether it's the strengths that you have, the values you bring, how you want the relationship to, to look like, like that example with, you know, putting your daughter down to sleep, like this is your daughter too. How do you want that situation to play out that scene? And then the, the third thing I would say is we need to come up with some sort of communication phrases and strategies. Um, because if we don't have any phrases and strategies, there's nothing to do there. Like you're just kind of sitting there not knowing what to say and what to do. So we need to have some strategies and some phrases that you can use when when you're ready to in those situations. Well, let's dissect that. So yeah. what is self-worth and how do you increase it? Yeah, <laughs> these are good questions. Self-worth, I think, is the idea that you bring value wherever you go. There's like, there's like a glowing light. You walk this way, the light goes with you. You step in this situation, there, you bring value. And, um, and I think there, there's two ways I think we can increase it. Number one is there are certain thoughts and beliefs we have that are preventing it from happening in, in, in the sense of, you know, I'm not good enough. Like there's things that are dimming it, right? And so we have to question those beliefs so the self-worth can shine through. We have to get rid of those things, number one. Number two is we we can visualize, like, you know, we can lay down and do breath work and, and you can, there are certain visualizations you can do to increase your self-worth or heal your inner child or, you know, all, you know think about the type of person you want to be. I guess, I guess that's what comes to mind for me is removing those limiting beliefs and then thinking about the person that you want to become because what we're doing right now, it's not going to get us there. So we need to have that vision of the kind of guy I want to be in my own personal life, the kind of guy I want to be in my relationship. Um, if we do those two things, Vince, if we have a vision and we get and we start to work on those limiting beliefs, your self-worth is going to increase. So when these guys come to you, what are some of the most common limiting beliefs that are detrimental to their self-worth? Yeah. I think they have the beliefs that they're doing something wrong. And when I, I'm thinking of my recent client, I, I go with them a little bit. Like, I'll be like, all right, like, let's correct your behaviors, you know, but I don't let that go very far. Like, I, 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 you know, they're making mistakes in the relationship. Fine, let's fix it. But eventually we need to get rid of that mindset. So the mindset, Vince, that they're doing something wrong um, is a big one I see. And that... Um, I think the other one is something to the extent of they're not enough. And maybe that's not the exact one I hear, but it's something rooted there. Um, yeah, I think something there. So you said sometimes you'll let them say, let's correct this behavior. Mm -hmm. And sometimes <laughs> you let them know they're not doing it wrong. What are an example? Because all these guys are thinking like, am I doing something wrong? Mm -hmm. Or is my wife a bitch? So yeah. <laughs> where, where's that line that you draw? Yeah, so... When, when they come to me and, and they're like, I'm doing something wrong, we'll, we'll go with it just for a minute, just to kind of give the wife a cookie. Because um, because for, for one client I'm thinking of in particular, they he, he came to me first day, literally thought it was over. Like they thought they were going to get separated. So I'm like, okay, let's make her happy. Like, let's just, you know, only like the first session or so. Like, let's do what, what her requests are. And then like the second session and onward, I started to ask him, okay, like, what, what do you want? And, and again, we really have to focus on that vision because self-worth is going to increase if we start to, if we start to bring out his personality. Um, and, and that's what I notice is sometimes, and it's not everyone, of course, but a majority of the guys I see, it's like their personality got buried. Like we have to like dig, dig it out a little bit. And like I say, focusing on vision is one way to, to bring it out. And then going back to it, back in your past, like your childhood a little bit, looking at like what, what you're passionate about, what you enjoyed as a kid. I think those two, two things help. Do a lot of men complain that their wives or even mm -hmm. let's say their husbands mm -hmm. don't let them lead? Because I feel like a lot of low self-esteem comes from you feel like you're the man in a relationship, right. but yet your, your wife is making all the calls for you. Yeah. And the question is, do, do they... Say it again, Vince, that question. So is that is that their concern that they don't feel like their wife lets them lead? They lead the be the leader. Yeah, I think there's two two ways that it can show up. Number one, it is it is that. Like they don't have a say. And I'm thinking of another client like that putting their child down to sleep. Like he he was frustrated and annoyed and, and didn't know where things, you know, where the relationship was gonna go because he felt like she was very overbearing. So so in that case, yes. And then in the other case, um, 
I guess what I'm saying is it can show up as, as yes, the wife is overbearing and the guy wants a part in it or the, the, the female partner, whoever is, is the relationship is deteriorating is what I'm saying. So, so there's two ways it shows up. Number one is they do want to say, or number two, the relationship is deteriorating. And then, yeah. So those are the the two kind of signs, I, I guess I would say. What are some of the common reasons why a relationship would deteriorate? So I always say, Vince, there's three reasons why any relationship would end in what I've seen. Number one is your needs are not being met. This is when you would break up with the, the partner. Number two is their needs are not being met, so they would break up with you. And then number three is the relationship needs are not being met. Maybe you guys live far away or something. And that's usually like a mutual breakup. Um, so those are some kind of categories in general, yeah. Well, you made a post on Instagram where there's three parts of a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's you, your spouse, and the mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. So I never heard that. Con- what are the needs of a relationship? I never even thought about that. That that That's a good question, Vince. And I, I think – so, yeah, and, and for those listening, the way I think about it is there are three entities. There's you, you know, strong individual, and your partner, also strong individual. You all have your own individual passions and so forth. And then the relationship is a separate thing. It's like a car that you guys are sharing together. You guys are decorating together. You picked it out together. So I guess the qualities of – a healthy relationship is is one which both of your needs are met, but in the context of you guys are putting things into the car together. So you have your own separate personalities, but you're kind of on an agreement and you're, you're going somewhere together. You're raising a family and kids and your your needs should be met in your relationship, I guess is, is kind of what I'm saying. So is it maybe shared values? Yeah, like- Vince, yeah, shared values. Shared okay. values and um, what's another word that I use? Uh, not criteria, standards. So for example, let's start with the values for a minute. So do we value, I mean, we can do characteristic traits, like do we value honesty? Do we value intimacy? Do we value communication, right? Those are values or other things like, do we value travel? Do we value saving money? Do we value kids? Do we want kids? Do we value raising our kids a certain way? So we have to be in agreement with with that to an extent because otherwise it's gonna be kind of rocky. Um, And, and then standards. So how do we want our house to look? How do we want our, how do we want to treat each other, right? We need to be on the same agreement. Like if one partner thinks it's okay to yell and curse and throw things and the other partner doesn't, we need to be on the same page with standards. So I, yeah, I do think values and standards, um, we need to be in agreement in the relationship. And, and that and Vince, that causes a lot of problems. And, and that's why that post you're talking about, I, I coached a couple the other day, they, they were, having some trouble. And after I talked to them, I said, okay, you guys, here's what's going on. We need to keep you guys separate because the guy, for example, is, was really passionate about his personal ambitions and growth. But the female partner was, she didn't really care about that, but he did. He's like, I want you to show more initiative, da, da, da. And she, she just wanted to focus on her own emotional healing. And I said, all right, let's keep you guys separate for just a minute. And let's think about your relationship. What are the three things you guys value in the relationship? And they both said, like they literally both said communication and intimacy. And they couldn't agree on the third one. We had to do some work and, and figure out what that third one was. And then what I said is I don't want us projecting onto the relationship. Like I don't, the female partner, I don't want you to need him to save you, like go to yoga, go to therapy, let him support you in that way. But that's your own project. Same with the guy. I don't want you projecting these things on her. Focus on you. And then together you need to have three, for example, things that you both agree on. Um, That's kind of how I approach it, Vince. What was the third way? Uh, For them, it was um, not safety, um, stability. For them, it was communication, intimacy, and stability. And instability, you know, the guy was passionate about finances and all that. We can get finances in there. That's fine. And we can get emotional safety in there too, but it needed to be something that they both agreed on. And, and what I told the couple was, I was like, I want you to guys, I want you guys to think about, you know, a house and you, the female partner have your own room, right? You have your yoga station, your, you know, your incense and all these things, your crying station, all that, the guy, you have your computer, your investments, all that. And then you guys have a shared room. You guys can go in each other's rooms and show each other things, but that's your own stuff. And then your shared room needs to be what you both like. That's kind of the analogy I gave them. And it seemed pretty effective for them. How many people come to you and they never even asked each other their values? I think... Probably all of them. <laughs> Everyone. 
and that's what I tell people too. I say, I mean, this is for those listening. This is such a simple exercise is you can write down three of your values that you value in the relationship. And it's so important that we do this, Vince, is you write three of your values and then your partner has to write the other three in, in terms of the relationship. And then you two have to sit there and work together either by yourselves or with a coach because that is the cause of your relationship problems right there is you have three that are not congruent with your partner's three. So we need to do your three, do their three. And then from there, you guys got to pick your own three together. Um, most people will never do that ever. And that's that's literally like the cause of most problems is is, is we have different values and different meanings and stuff. So let's say you have two coaching clients mm-hmm. and all three of their most important values are different. Mm-hmm. Are they doomed? No. Uh, well, here's here's the thing. They're if they're committed, Vince, they're not doomed. If 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 they're like, yeah, if they're committed, they're not doomed. And we, we have to think about the stages of relationships for a minute. Is you know, in the beginning, there's attraction. That's like step one. We go on dates, even with friends. You can get you know. So step one is attraction. Is you're going on dates. You're, you're saying, oh my god, this person's physically attractive. Their personality's like so captivating. I've never seen that before. That's attraction. And then as we get deeper, it start we start to get value clashes. Okay, that would be phase number two probably. Phase number three is now we got to make a decision. We either need to commit. It's I like you. I love you. I'm attracted to you. Our values are slightly different. There's some clashing. We either need to commit or we need to break up and and move on. And that's okay too. And so I guess what I'm saying, Vince, if they both, if the couples decide to commit, we're good. If they don't, it it probably won't be effective. It won't work. So if if there's commitment and you have support, then you can do it. Um, Yeah. In my opinion. Do you have men that come to you that they committed, yeah. but it sounds like their spouse already stopped committing and it's over. I do. Yeah, I do have that. And and in that case, first, I kind of just try to be there for the guy, listen to what he's going through. And then we do need to get that spouse's buy-in. We need to see where the spouse is at. Are, are you over it completely? Are, are there certain... Because what I'll say, Vince, a lot of times is I'll, I'll say, you know, go to your partner and ask them, like talk to them and like, I mean, grab a notepad and write down what they want to see. That's what I would do. And um, because there are certain, and they've probably already told you, there are certain reasons, Vince, that they will leave you. And they've probably said it before in passing, things like that. We have to be very, we have to listen to that. But but anyway, back to your original question is we need to figure out where, where that spouse is at. So we need to be very authentic and honest with ourselves and, and bite the bullet and say, babe, are you still in this? Do you want a marriage with me or do you want to see other people? Do you want to move on? Because I, I can't be in this middle ground anymore. And if she has a little bit of buy-in, then we can work with that. But if he or she is 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 maybe moved on, then we need to start the second process of, of healing and moving on ourselves. And I think both out, out both outcomes will will be okay. But but yeah, I do see that. So breakup is so sad. It I've been is. married for ten years, yeah. so I haven't broken up in a while. Um, hopefully not anytime soon. How do you, your clients deal with breakup so how, how they deal with it or how i think they should and how i would recommend they deal with it both <laughs> okay so first so how do they deal? how do they deal with it they they just they get sad isolated and they do a lot of self-blame a lot of a lot of yeah a lot of self-blame they think it's their fault they they focus on the mistakes they've made um they sometimes they hook up with people um and other addict, basically addict, any addict, any numbing thing, Vince, any numbing agent, in ter- in social media, anything like that. It, that's what I'll, I'll notice is 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 that, and, and sometimes hooking up, like I say. So that's how they handle it. And then, um, how, how should you handle it? <laughs> how how you should handle it, Vince? How I would recommend is it's it's an injury. It, it's not a physical injury, but it's a emotional injury. It's our nervous system. So I always tell people, I mean, um, bed rest. Like step one is bed rest. Like how you would if you were sick is how you need to treat yourself when you're going through a breakup. You need to lay in bed, grab your dog, order food, cuddle, listen to music, watch Star Wars, watch whatever you want to watch. Comfort yourself. That's that's phase number one. Is this was a it, depending on how long you were together. Good lord, if you were together two plus years or whatever even six months, whatever it is, if it was meaningful to you, it's going to be painful. Um, you're probably going to want to reach back out to your partner. You you can, um, but I would urge you not to get back with your partner 
during a low because that's just the emotional response. What I would really love is if we could improve the self-worth a little bit, get through the breakup and anxiety on our own, you know, either working with someone or even by yourself. And then if you still want to, you can have a conversation with the partner. But I would really try not to get back with my partner if it was just emotional because it's, you're going to break up again, most likely, because uh, the needs were not healed. It's just that emotions were very hard. So long story short, treat it like you were sick. You know, um, that's stage number one. Stage number two, you can start to go out a little more in terms of meeting your needs. You can socialize because you'll probably feel a little better. Go to the gym, go to the beach. Basically, stage two is bringing in positive energy. Um, I always recommend we stay off social media because we don't need that depending on what or who you follow. I wouldn't really reach out to your ex very much. Um, I would encourage friends and family. You'd be surprised of how much they show up. And um, yeah, stage two would be positive energy. So gym, hiking, that kind of thing. And then stage three, I would I would say um, process the relationship so you can journal, you can you, you can write things out. Um, if you're mad, you can write letters to them. And then maybe stage four is like, what do I want now? Like, do I want to be single for a little bit? Do I want to heal more? Do I want to make more friends? You know, that that's kind of how I would approach it. Just making it up on the spot here. Well, it seems great advice that you definitely <laughs> took some time to yourself because how many people do you know they break up and then one week later they have a new boyfriend or girlfriend and, and when we see that it, it's that's that's an emotional response and it's it's painful it, basically what we're seeing there is somebody is experiencing an, an emotional emotional pain and most people don't know how to handle emotional pain and we have to numb we have to there's no other way to get through there's no other way to get through it and you know we'll be on tinder again you know a week later something like that um and we've all done it uh but but yeah it is yeah do you recommend tinder for any of your clients looking for couples or looking yeah for yeah yeah but if we're talking about breakups no we shouldn't be no. yeah yeah not for that but if we're starting to move the conversation towards dating and stuff yeah yeah why not yeah okay what if your spouse or partner cheats on you? Yeah, that 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 happens. You know, I, I see I see that happen to couples. A, a couple of things come to mind with that. Cheating is some sort of numbing agent. So maybe they have some low self-worth issues or something else. Typically that tells me that they need something. Um, and it doesn't, by the way, for those listening, it doesn't mean that you didn't do a good job. It doesn't mean that you didn't do your best or give them what they need. It just means that they are going through something else and they needed cheating as a form of X, Y, Z. Okay. That's, that's something we have to understand. The second thing I would say is if the question is, can, can a relationship work after cheating? The answer is yes. But the other, the other question is standards. Do you want to be in a relationship with someone who's showing these signs of maybe low self-worth or some trauma, something like that? And the, yeah, you, you, can, you guys can move on together or move on separately. It, there's no right or wrong answer. But all, all I'll say is cheating is a sign of something. And do you want to be in a relationship with, with someone who you have to just get clear on what standards you want for yourself? That that's all I would say. Um, and we can talk more, we can dig in a little more if you want, but that's what I would say. Yeah. Because previous behavior almost always will dictate future behavior. People do change, but it is. Yeah. Hard. People do. And then that's what I'm getting at is, is if you guys are truly committed, then, then yeah, you're going to need to do couples therapy, most likely, or the partner who cheated is going to need to do therapy. You guys can do it together, but at that point, do you do you guys really want to? You know, there's no no right or wrong answer. But to answer your question, yeah, you guys that that's a clear sign that something is not working for that person, and that's going to need some rehabilitation, so to speak. Like you're going to need to work on that. Otherwise, it's yeah, yeah. So I agree with you. I think that will stem from low self-worth. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. It seems like if they have low self-worth and they cheat on you and they don't fix their self-worth, mm -hmm. they might cheat on you again. It, they're either going to cheat again or it, it'll just show up in another way. Um, like, 
when we're getting in relationships, we need to have a list of standards. Do we want to be in a relationship with someone with low self-worth or someone who matches our self-worth or even higher than our self-worth? There's no right or wrong answer, but we need to be conscious of these things because if we choose someone who has low self-worth, nothing wrong with that, but there are going to be certain behaviors that are probably not going to be congruent with you and meeting your needs. Example, cheating. And if they don't cheat, maybe there's something else. Maybe they don't cheat fully, but they're messaging people or they're on only fans or something like that. Or, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a sign that your guys's energies are different. Your emotional energies are slight. That's what I would say, Vince is it cheating is a sign that your guys's emotional energies are, are different and you guys can work on that together, have them go to therapy or, or heal from it. it's going to take time and then find someone who matches it. That that's frankly what I would say. And I have well, made clients. <laughs> interesting comment. You said some men will pick, women or girls with lower self-worth yeah so do you well, see some men that are always picking like the wrong partner i don't i don't i wouldn't say i always see that, that they're always picking the wrong hold on that is a good question uh that's a loaded question um so say it one more time because i want to make sure i get this right yeah i just i guess what qualities do you see in some of your clients that maybe influence them to pick people that are not good for them. Okay. Why picking? Yeah. And the other thing I'll say too, why picking low self-worth, making a note here. The other thing I'll say too is maybe you guys started at the same energetic level, but sometimes partners do outgrow. So that, that could be one situation that happened is maybe you didn't choose a low self-worth partner on purpose, or you didn't even choose them, but maybe you outgrew them. Maybe you experienced something in your family life or personal life and that maybe somebody died or something. And then you started going to therapy and working on yourself, but your partner stayed here and you're becoming really aware, you're healing traumas. Now there's a discrepancy. So that's one way it could happen, number one. And then number two, for those of us that are choosing people with low self-worth, the reason that's happening, okay, so let's just slow down the conversation for a second. And like, let's think of a person and we have our, our core self. We have, I'm thinking of somebody I know, they're they're strong they have high ambitions for their personal goals their their relationships and their career right but they have some trauma and the trauma is what's clouding that strong sense of self and so the reason they're choosing someone with low self-worth is because of that that trauma so they're essentially what's the word here is like like for me vince i i'm a relatively healthy guy in terms of the way i eat right I don't, you know, I eat, I try to eat clean foods, blah, blah, blah. My, I, I'm staying with some family and they have donuts. And I, and I, I, I took one because they were there. And it's, that's not who I am though. I don't eat donuts, but I, 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 I went down a level. And so that's what I'm saying with, with these, with these guys is you went down a level because you were injured. There's that trauma, but your core is, is not your core is ambitious. You, you, you have high, visions for yourself but you you have a little part that's injured and so the little part that was injured is the part that attract that is attracted to someone who has low self-worth does that make sense a little bit it does how many of your clients have the insight to know because that's a very Mo insightful thing to say <laughs> Mo uh, most don't um most are not aware of it. Um, at, now, some are because I've told them and I've worked with them, but it doesn't always fix the problem because it's energetic. It's not, it's knowing stuff is not always fixing it. But um, to answer your question, most people are not aware. This is the spiritual journey. This is a journey of personal growth. It's becoming self-aware, becoming aware of our different aspects of ourself, the way we think, the way we emote, the way we respond. That is personal growth 101. And so most people are they're not aware of that, but as we start to go on our journey and we start to learn about attachment styles and all that becomes more popular, we start to get, a, we start to realize it a little bit more. I notice. What's a common attachment style that you see that causes problems in relationships? Yeah, I, I'm not super uh, fluent in attachment styles, but I'll just say like the, in, I think there's two categories like secure and insecure. I don't even know what they are. I think it's like, um, I'm not, it's, I'm not really good at them, but I guess um, there's one called uh, like anxious attachment. That that's 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 one I would say. Yeah. That, so I own a business and I have employees, mm -hmm. and when you're mm -hmm. interviewing and hiring people, that's the one anxious attachment that they warn you to look out for. Because <laughs> that like a lot. 
a lot of people have that. And a lot of people, yeah. so if you're anxious attachment, like you need this person to validate mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. all of the time. Mm-hmm. So I imagine in your coaching business, if like say I'm a man and I'm anxious attached to my spouse, I need her to constantly tell me like how handsome I am, yeah. how strong I am. And yep. just, they're not your mom. Like you're you there. gotta move on. From that. <laughs> that the self-worth has to come from inside first. Like it, we shouldn't be on in relationships because we we need the other person like you should almost not you should almost be be able to be happy single and then you guys are in a relationship because you're you're so strong like it makes sense to 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 team up with another strong person and raise a family and you know all these things but it shouldn't be like i need that might like that that's yeah it sounds like your previous life coaching experience just rolled right into this because you're probably doing both with your clients i am vince i i really am and one of the places I start, especially if we're trying to increase self-worth, is I'll actually have my clients do the same assessment I did with my life coaching clients, which is just like a whole life assessment rating the different areas of our, of our life, career, mental health, physical health. And from that, that gives us gives us a good idea of where to start. And for a, for a little bit, I'll just kind of treat them like a life coaching client because that, that'll raise the self-worth and that'll in, improve the different areas of their life. Um, and the last thing I'll say about this is our relationships, when we work on our relationships, they improve the other areas of our life, whether it's career or mission or mental health or physical fitness or finances. I'm, it, it's all related. And then vice versa. If we work on any other aspect, they all improve. So it is, in my opinion, you're right. Like It is important to take a holistic approach. And I'm very grateful I did life coaching and it, it did roll into to it pretty naturally. It's like the perfect mix. The I know that a mix. <laughs> good marriage will extend your life more but a bad marriage is like smoking will reduce your lifespan too. Yeah, no, there, there's, there's literature and I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, yeah, that, that is true. Yeah, I've seen that. So are you in a relationship? Not right now. No, which always okay. surprises people. But um, we can talk about it a little bit if you want. Or um, Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so number one, we have to keep in mind that I, we don't have the same timelines, right? It, like... For example, let me think how much I want to share real quick. Yeah. Okay. So I want to go to grad school, right? And so right now I'm a digital nomad. I was living in Nashville, Tennessee a month ago, and now I'm living in California visiting family. And so for me, this is going to surprise most people. I've planned out my life more or less. I have a vision rather all the way to age 80. And so uh, that's like life coaching stuff. Long story short, I want a serious relationship when I go to grad school. If, if I happen to get in a serious relationship right now, great couple years ahead but that's my plan is is grad is um when i go to grad school when i move and i'm in one place for five years then i'll start to look for that and so this goes back to life coaching a little bit because i plan my years like my annual years goals i give myself three goals per year and so this year i think was um finances business and fitness next year will be relationship and i don't know what the other ones will be um but uh that's kind of the long story short and um the other thing i would say is it's it's not about me like i didn't it's not like i got in a relationship was like oh i need to help people it's like i was working with people saw there was a need put my stuff aside got certified did the training and then kept helping people and then i you know have my personal life i am dating but i am technically single so um yeah what do you want to go to grad school for therapy psychotherapy therapy yeah. so like a, a master's in therapy or uh, a phd PhD. That's the plan. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine you're going into this program with a wealth of experience that most people don't have. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I didn't think that would happen, but it seems to be happening. <laughs> I actually collaborate with a lot of therapists because it's just a natural fit energetically. And, um, yeah, my approach is slightly different because they're trained obviously in certain ways. Um, but, but yeah, we do see similar clients, frankly, sometimes and similar problems. Uh, we approach them slightly different because our trainings are slightly different, but, um, yeah, yeah, I would agree too. Can I ask you more about your vision until you're 80 and I <laughs> hopefully live longer than 80 if possible. <laughs> 80 is but, just, just the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Ask away. Do you, yeah. 
Yeah, tell me. I'm because so, how old are you now? If I'm I'm 26, 26 years old, and so I don't. When we get trained as life coaches and coaches, um, not most people can't project past five years. So we don't like. I would never encourage someone to do it unless we were like really deep and in, in talking, whether it's a friend or something. But the reason why I do it, Vince, is it's just to give myself some. Like I'm actually an anxious person slightly myself. So projecting gives me a little bit of some, you know, some peace of mind and just like I like to plan. Right. And so I don't plan every little thing, but I do. We do have to start with the end in mind. Like, what are your life goals here? Because everything, whether it's career or family or relationships, it needs to be a piece in that. Otherwise, it doesn't really make sense. Like, what are we doing? We're just being reactive to to social things which are not aligned to your values that's a problem in my book is to be happy and fulfilled and, and well is you have to live your life in alignment with your values um, by definition and so long story short i start with the end in mind i'm like okay what do i want to look like as an 80 year old and and you can just pause me if i get to whatever but um 80 years old when i'm getting ready to go like i i want to i already like i want to there's there's a certain hospital when i worked in healthcare. it was the icu and i walked in and it was in the forest and there was these like glass, like beautiful glass and you could see the forest. I'm like, I want to die here. <laughs> so when I'm 80, like, I just want to be at peace. Like, I want to be happy. Like, there's nothing else to do. Right. And just just go. So that's that's that. And then everything from there, you know, retire, you know, grandkids, take care of all my affairs by the time I'm 70 or whatever, you know, figure out what I want, where to go, money and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, we back up a little bit. Um, I want to, now I'm getting confused. I have to start where I am. But uh, so grad school, you know, buy a house and that kind of thing. And then I, I do want to go um, out of the country. I want to do some some work in uh, developing countries as a trauma therapist. Like I would love to go, you know, in um, like hot zones where there's conflict. I would love to do work there and then just work as a therapist remotely um, and travel, you know, travel different countries. And then uh, that's that's my plan. Yeah. So it was the end vision to focus your therapy on trauma victims? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how you caught that. Um, yeah, very, very passionate about that. Like my, my life purpose is, I don't want to say end suffering because you can't quite end something per se, but that is my mission, frankly, is to end suffering. You know, if I walk in a room and someone's, you know, discontent or whatever, you can end some, you can end some suffering there. So that is my, my mission is to, um, relieve suffering, I guess. But, um, yeah, that would, yeah. And I'm, and I'm really passionate about helping other countries too, because, um, I don't know. I just, I just want to give them a chance. We have a lot of resources here. We can, we can figure it out here, <laughs> but in other countries, like, I don't know, it just, and I grew up low income too. You know, I, I grew up in certain, certain ways, um, that, yeah, I just feel called. What draws you to trauma victims? I think um, a couple of things. I think the innocence, um, yeah, the innocence. And um, and then, I, I you know, I, I've suffered myself too. Like it, it's, it's, you're, you're living, you're here and it's it's hell to feel like you don't belong here or like hate yourself so much or whatever it is or um yeah i just feel like you're here we shouldn't hate ourselves like it, i don't know tough question yeah no I, have you and if i'm getting too personal you no, can definitely ahead. cut me off have you in the past hated yourself too much uh I don't know about hating myself, but there are times where, as anyone you know who's listening, it gets rough, right? Because um, I don't know if hates. I can't think of the word, but like when I I identify as gay myself, and so when I came out, you know, several years ago, twenty sixteen, something like that, that was really hard. I was so confused in the sense of I felt like I was doing something wrong. I felt unlovable. All these things, and so that that is is very painful when you feel cornered. I felt I have to answer your question. I don't know if I've hated myself, but I felt cornered. Like holy shit! Like there's nothing I can do, you know. Um, and uh, that's just not true. Um, but it certainly feels true. And uh, that's what I'm passionate about helping people see is like it's not true. Um, yeah. So you came out when you were 19, then. Probably. Yeah. Probably like okay. 19. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of anxiety. I guess oh, you yeah. tell your parents or are uh, your parents yeah. alive? 
my mom is alive and I, you know, I know her and live with her and, and visit her. And then my father, they separated when I was young. So I don't even know my dad. And that's actually, you know, long story short, that's another reason I'm passionate about helping guys have sustainable marriages and relationships, because when you leave, your kid is going to have some trauma there. So anyway, um, I forgot the question. <laughs> oh, just the, the anxiety of oh, coming out. Yeah, yeah, coming out. Oh, yeah. So, I, um, you know, I, I kind of think about, like, coming out. Is it safe? Is it safe to come out and be yourself? And this is applicable to anyone, right? Is it safe to voice our needs, blah, blah, blah. But coming out, is it safe? That was that, that you know, physically, or am I going to get beaten up? Like it, that to most people, it's like, why would you get beaten up 2023? But for me, as a gay kid closeted, that's a concern. You know, I didn't have a dad, I didn't have that strong masculine, you know, need, you know, energy that I needed as a young kid. And uh, so I, I was concerned for my safety, to be honest, and and then acceptance, of course, right. Um, and, but in reality, um, nobody, nobody mistreated me or like, even said anything about being gay. Nobody said that's nothing. The most negative thing that was said was when I told my mom, it was really hard for her. She, that was the most, ironically, my family, like, that was the hardest one is, is that one. And, you know, she cried and, and all these things and I had to explain things. And, and so that was a whole conversation, but uh, yeah, it was tough. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I'm, cause before we started the podcast, you told me you identify as gay and would that mm-hmm. be a problem? And my thought is, <laughs> It's 2023. Like, See, <laughs> who, I, it, who cares? Yeah. So, and honestly, Vince, it, it's and and I've I've had that reaction with my friends. Is like they're like, dude, who cares? But like, it's. If we all have our fears based on how we identify, I, I've come to see, and I just, I don't know. Like sometimes you don't know. Like if you're gonna, and it's really important. Quick segue. It's really important to have in my opinion, like a healthy masculine energy. It doesn't mean like macho doesn't mean anything. It just means healthy masculine grounded energy. It's really important to have that because when we don't like now I'm afraid, not so much anymore, but like, I'm just af- sometimes afraid that like a dude's going to hurt me in the bar or push me because I'm gay. Like, you know, we all see these movies. And so, um, that's where that fear comes from. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, if you talk about self-worth, did mm-hmm. you, once the initial wave of telling people you're gay was done, mm-hmm. did you feel better <laughs> that you weren't Oh, yeah. Somebody? Oh, yeah. I felt way better. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. And it feels it feels good to to be able to be authentic. And, and you don't have to be gay. You just, you know, for those listening, but to be authentic. And, and it feels good to be authentic and to be with the, the, the people you care about and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, life is so short. You can only hide something for so long. Did you have friends when you told them that you were gay that they knew? Uh, most people don't. Most people can't tell. <laughs> I think maybe okay. like one knew or something, but most people can't tell. And I, I think it's funny. And I think it goes to show us that like orientation is different from your personality and energy and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, most people didn't know. They didn't care, but they didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, man. Because yeah. how many people are fifty and yeah. they're gay, or they're this, and they're they're not telling people? Yeah, I imagine that kills relationships too. Yeah. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Like we need to sort that out before. Um, yeah, and anytime we're and again for those listening, if you're not gay, it doesn't need to be that. But anytime we're not speaking our truth, which is a little cliche, but basically your thoughts and emotions, and we're not expressing that, we get resentful, we get anxious, we get depressed, um, those kinds of things. This has been good, man. So we're coming up in the hour, Mark, and I always ask people at the end, what is one takeaway you want the audience to have from this interview? I I think it's funny because we didn't talk a ton about it, but I I do think I, the takeaway I want for the audience is we need to have a vision of the kind of person we want to be, period, end of story, whether it's in your relationship, whether it's in your personal life. Is we need to have a vision. We need to have standards for ourselves. What kind of guy, what kind of person do I want to show up as in my everyday life? And the reason, Vince, this is so, so important is because this is how you get fulfilled is when you're in alignment with your values. Because by definition, your values what you value. So if I value something, but I'm over here chasing things because society's telling me to, 
I'm going to be depressed. I'm not going to be happy because I'm not in alignment with my values. So the takeaway is figuring out it. The, the takeaway is having a vision for yourself in terms of your values and aligning yourself with your values. That's what I would say. That's such good advice. Cause you're so true <laughs> when you say that how many times like, so I value health. I value exercise. How many people value that? And then they don't follow that. Yeah. And there's such incoherence in your life. And honestly, they may not value it and that's okay. You don't have to, like if there's a push for, for health and you're not with it, um, then, then that's fine. Or, or what maybe is happening is they do value it, but there's, there's too much clouded, whether it's conditioning or trauma or there's, there's other stuff clouding. And so as coaches, we really try to dig in, whether it's relationships, health, fitness, we dig in and we say, this is your value. You told me we did a lot of work and now we have to strengthen it and make it grow like a plant. And so, um, yeah. So if you're coaching Andrew, what is <laughs> your number one value? Uh, integrity. Hands down, hands down, hundred percent. Yeah. Give me your definition of integrity. All right. Give me one second to think about it. Um, uh, and what my, my philosophical self would say integrity is truth. My more, um, materialist pragmatic person would say integrity is, is, um, is being, what you said you were, I guess. So if you're, if you're going to join a really, you know, enter a relationship and say, you're an honest guy and never cheat, you need to do that. Or you just stepped out of integrity. If you are committed to fitness, but you're not doing it, if you're not in integrity. And so that's what I would say. Yeah. It's just integrity is just integrity is being what you are. So if I have a, um, a bowl and the bowl breaks, the bowl lost integrity, it's no longer a bowl. So uh, integrity is being what you are, is being what you said you were. Yeah. That's very good. I always think of integrity as like, you're not full of shit. Yeah. You're not like, full of shit. If like you say you're not going to cheat and then you're you not. cheat, you're full of shit. And yeah. You have no integrity. Yeah. Because you were a bull, like, you know, a bull, but then you broke it. You broke your integrity. You now you're not a bull. Now you're a cheater. So integrity yeah. is being what you said. It is. Yeah. That's awesome. Have you read the four agreements? I haven't. It's on my list. Okay. <laughs> One of them is be impeccable with your word. So every time you say something, you got to follow through. With yeah, that. you have to. And even, and then the last thing I'll say is if you make a commitment, whether it's in your relationship or your personal life, whatever, and you don't want to follow through anymore, I, I, in my opinion, I think you have to, and then just don't make that commitment again. You know, that's, that's how I try to do it at least. So. Yeah, absolutely. So last one, are you still taking on new clients? I am. Yeah, I am. Okay. How can people find you? Yeah. Instagram's the best place. Andrew Bettencourt official, my, my program, you know, lots of helpful stuff on Instagram and we can always book a free consult. The links in my bio, always happy to chat with you and give you an action plan of what I think can help you. Um, I also have a, a program called relationship coaching for dudes and it's, it's to help you meet your needs and have those conflict. And typically I'll, I'll help people who, who are having lots of conflict in the relationship or maybe they're married and their marriage is hitting a rough patch. Those are the two types of clients I typically see come through there. But relationship coaching for dudes is my program. And like I say, Instagram is a good place to reach me to. Your Instagram is so good. I follow <laughs> it regularly and I like listen to it. And I'm like, oh, this is such good advice. So audience, if you're listening, please follow Andrew Benacourt. Betancourt. Yeah. Betancourt. That's yeah. French. It is French. Yeah. Okay. Are you French? My grandpa, grandpa, grandpa is French. Somebody is, but uh, I'm Hispanic. I'm Mexican, but uh, there's okay. there's some French somewhere in there. Per you speak with your hands? I thought maybe you were Italian. All my cousins <laughs> speak with their hands. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, good, man. Well, I won't keep you, but let, let's get you back on for another one. Yeah, Vince. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And everyone listening, I hope you took something away from it and keep up with me in the DMs on Instagram, and I'd love to stay connected. Thanks, Andrew. All right, Vince. All right. Bye.